couple of weeks of talking about destiny. And it's very important that we allow the word to redefine us. Um, I want you to hear me when I say this, because, you know, the devil is just insidious. He, he doesn't really care how he trips you up as long as he trips you up. And uh, if he's capable because we're vulnerable to feeling inferior about ourselves of having a low self-esteem, then he will rehearse and replay every tragedy, every sin, and every mistake you've ever made in life so as to rob you of the initiative of doing anything great. You following me? And so um, I, I made this statement a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I don't really remember. But I said that if you think very lowly of yourself, it's because you don't think very highly of your father. When you and I know who's we are who we belong to and where we get our life from then it elevates us it's not about bringing god down you could never bring god down but we can rise up and so the enemy doesn't want that so what he'll do is like i said if he can make you feel inferior and understand this you'll never be an overcomer when you define yourself as an underachiever say la i'm gonna let that marinate if you define yourself as inferior you'll never be superior to life if you have a grasshopper mentality you'll never achieve your destiny you just won't so the enemy will do everything he can to make you feel bad about yourself but if you're one of those rare birds that you're not prone to feeling inferior he'll just simply flip the coin and puff you up and make you feel you are all of that in a bag of chips, and you'll become so superior in your mentality, you feel like you have no need of God. And he doesn't really care whether it's this or that, because either way, see, if you feel, is this okay this morning? I'm just getting started here. If you feel inferior, you'll never partner with God. If you feel superior, God can't partner with you. Either way, the enemy gets what he wants because we're not operating with God. For many years, I would preach, but I would never pray for anyone because I felt inferior. I, I did not have a very good self-esteem, so I thought, what is the use of me praying for you? You'll not get anything. And as long as I felt that, you know how many people I prayed for? Zero. You know how many people I witnessed get healed by the laying on of hands? Because isn't it amazing, if you're not laying hands on anyone, then the probability of you ever seeing anyone get healed by the laying on of hands is you got to risk it before you'll see it. But you won't ever attempt it if you don't feel like there's any use in doing it. So when I preach messages along this line, it's about us having a healthy self-esteem. Not inferior, not superior, but in partnership with God. You see, because the way we ought to, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the way we ought to define ourselves is through faith, not through experience, not through pain, not through sin. We ought to define ourselves by the word. We ought to see ourselves in Christ. Let me throw this out. I mean, we're not even touching the sermon yet, so I haven't started my clock. The, if you cannot close your eyes engage your imagination 
and see yourself living as Christ, meaning you can never see yourself having outstanding faith victories. You can never see yourself laying hands on the sick. You can never see yourself raising the dead. You can never see yourself conquering your enemies. You can never see yourself living as Christ. It's because you're not yet in Christ. And many of us, we love the Lord, but when we close our eyes, we don't see an image of a victorious life. We see life just replayed, hardship after hardship after hardship. And the only way we're going to reverse that is we have to redefine ourselves according to what he has said about us. Amen? So we, have, we covered a couple weeks ago on destined for dignity, and, and then we revealed that in the word you're connected to deity. So you ought to live life as a dignitary. Then last week we talked about you have everything you need to finish the job given you. Everything you put your hands to, you can finish. And when you put your hands to them, they will prosper. One of the things we said is the reward is never given at the, finish, or the starting line of any race. The reward is always at the finish line, so we've got to get to the finish line. Today I want to talk to you about being destined for greatness destined for greatness go with me to the book of galatians chapter 3 verse 9 everyone say i'm listening galatians chapter 3 verse 9 out of the passion translation says this so the blessing of abraham's faith is now our blessing too we're blessed with faithful abraham now jump to genesis chapter 12 and i want to read verses 2 and 3 and this is what the Lord pronounced over Abraham. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Everyone say, the blessings of Abraham are mine. God said, I'm going to make you great. Everyone say, the blessings of Abraham are mine. So if God told Abram, I'm going to make you great and the blessings of Abraham are yours, what do you believe God has spoken over your life? Greatness. Are y'all wearing your steel-toed shoes today? Because, Celine, I plan on stomping on some toes. Celine wanted to buy me some puffy shoes, you know, the pink ones with the fur, so when I stepped on your toes, it wouldn't hurt so bad. But these boots were made for walking. And that's just what I'm going to do. And so you shall be a blessing, verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. What does it mean then to be great? To be great, listen to this, in the Hebrew language means to grow. See, greatness is bestowed by his voice, but it's achieved through growth. I want to say that again. It's bestowed by his voice, but it's achieved or made manifest by growth. So to be great means to grow, become great or important, promote, make powerful, praise, 
magnify. Now listen to this. Do great things. Here's what I want you to hear. Great people do great things. Mediocre people do mediocre things. Average people do average things. Lazy people do no thing. If God has pronounced greatness over you, it's because God envisions you and me doing great things. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's, I'm reading this to you out of the Amplified Bible. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. That's why you ain't trash. Don't be defined by what was spoken over you by those who don't really know you and do not be defined by how you were treated by those who were not worthy of treating you that way. You're defined by God. God said you're my handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do. I want to say that again. Born anew that we might do. Do what? Do great things. And this is what Paul continues to say. We may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. You all ready to get started with this? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live is directly connected to the doing of good works which he planned for us. Mm. These two things are inseparable. A good life equals good works. A great life equals great works. The good life, listen to this, the good life is not about hoarding unto yourself as much gold, silver, and precious stones as you can. That's not the good life. When I was meditating on this, this is what came up from the inside, and I wrote this down. I want you to hear this, and I'm glad none of you are drinking up coffee, drinking, because I almost spit mine up when I thought about this. The self-centered, self-absorbed rich and the self-centered, self-absorbed poor have this in common. They are both miserable. The generous, selfless rich and the generous, selfless poor have this in common. They are both joy-filled. Because <laughs> they are both living a great life. To be great, to be a great people who do great things. Everyone say, I am destined for greatness. God has said many things over you. Average is not one of them. Mediocre is not one of them. You've heard me say this before. God is the only person that knows everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, every vile thing you've ever committed. And yet God is the one person in your whole life that's never said one derogatory word about you. 
Because God always speaks to your potential. He never defines you by your pain. He never defines you by sin. Even when we read the life story of Jesus, even when one is caught in the very act of sin, Jesus never beats her up about the sin. One preacher said this, the people of God ought to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. If we serve, you and I, if we serve a mediocre God who makes mediocre promises and has mediocre power, then we can settle for living a mediocre lives and doing mediocre things. But if we serve a great God who makes great promises and has great power, then we must strive to live a great life doing great things. Is this making sense? See, one of the reasons why the world, those who are outside of the covenant and don't know Christ, think so little of Christ is because of the lives of Christians. Come on now. If we want the world to believe our God is great, then we've got to be a people of a great God. So when somebody looks at your life from afar, what is your life saying about your Savior? And this ain't about condemnation. This is, most of us never attempt great things because we've been convinced we're not capable of great things. I mean, the people of God say, well, pastor, you know, I'm just this. I'm just, this is the reason why I get violent when I hear I'm just a sinner. Because see, what that does is it degrades and diminishes your potential. And the enemy laughs when you make such statements. Because he knows you'll stand forever at the, the, the edge of greatness, the door of opportunity, and you'll step back. Because you don't feel worthy of attempting or entering in. But as you and I redefine ourselves through the word and we realize that in Christ all things are possible. In Christ all things are possible. So if I'm in Christ, I have no right to define something as an impossibility. I have no right. Who am I to negate the word? Who am I to say that God's a liar? In him, all the promises of God are yes and result in my amen. So see, as I define myself in him, then everything he said about me, I act on. So when he says, you're blessed with Abraham and everything I did for Abraham and everything I did through Abraham, I want to do through you. I made of Abram a great nation. What is a nation? Nothing more than a large family. So God is saying, through you, I want to make your family great. I want daddy to be great. I want mommy to be great. I want your children to rise up believing they were born for greatness. So that when they have opportunity to do something extraordinary, they don't step back and say, well, I'm just. I'm trying. Let's all say this together. I am, I am. 
destined for greatness. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't even matter how many times you fouled up sin or missed the mark. God's grace is greater than all of your mistakes. God's grace is greater than all of your missteps. And he will make of you. All he needs from us is our belief. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by some of the words that come out of the mouth of God. So that means we need to live by the words he has pronounced about himself. Everything he has said about himself, we need to believe. If he said, I'm the rewarder of those who diligently seek me, then you ought to believe he's a rewarder. It doesn't matter how many people have told you he's a mean-hearted judge waiting to squash you. If God said of himself, I'm a rewarder, he judges the wicked. The question is, are you wicked? No, I'm in Christ. If you're in Christ, then you're the righteousness of God. So quit living under the wickedness. God's not waiting to judge you. If you're in Christ, then everything you've all uh, ever did has already been judged in Christ. And the penalty for all of your sins, he took. Every sickness the enemy could ever put upon you, he took. The curse that you were destined for, he became. So now if you're in Christ, you're not an old creature trying to live a better life. You're a new creature who lives just like him. It either is or it isn't. It ain't halfway. Everyone say it again. I am destined for greatness. Now notice what the Lord didn't say. The Lord didn't say, I'll make you famous. And in our culture, a lot of people confuse fame with great. And there's a lot of famous people that ain't got nothing to do with greatness. I mean, I won't say who this family from California is that's made up mainly of women. But when we were overseas, they somehow became famous. And when we came back, that's all that we heard this one name. Starts with a K. I ain't going to say who it is, though. And I was like, what do these people do that makes them famous? And I found out they were only famous for being famous. Listen. Our quest for fame is what makes people sell their souls. Our quest for fame is why people will go on YouTube and eat poison. Put their lives in danger so they can get a few more followers, a couple more likes. But fame and greatness are not the same thing. There's a lot of great people and they ain't famous. And as I said, there's a lot of famous people and they ain't great. God said, I'll make you great. Don't confuse it with fame. One time I was, I was in Northern Ireland and I was sitting down with a pastor and we were there to preach for him and he had just gone on TV in the UK and we were sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and he was trying to tell me the way to become famous. And he told me, he said, he said if you want to be famous, you've got to get on TV. And he doesn't know it had already been offered to us and we turned it down. He said, you've got to go on TV and you go on TV, it'll make you famous. Well, I'd already discovered this reality and I, he didn't know that I wanted nothing to do with fame. There's nothing in me that wants to be famous. But with every fiber of my soul, I want to be great. 
I want to be a great follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great friend. I want to be a great man. I want to be a great pastor. And I can be all of these things because he has pronounced greatness over me. So by, by his voice, it's been bestowed. Now all I got to do is grow into it. And I grow into it by believing I can do it. I can. I don't have to be mediocre. I don't have to be average. Listen, as you meditate on this, one of the things that you'll get most startled by is one day you'll look in the mirror and you won't see trash no more. See, I mean, I don't know where you come from. Most of you know where I come from, though. There was a time when the only thing I saw in the mirror was an unwanted orphan. And my greatest aspiration, the thing I thought I was destined to do was die in a gutter in New Orleans, unwanted, unloved, and unknown. But then God. But then God. He not only saved me from sin, He saved me from the desire to die. And then I realized that seeking death is not a way to honor Him who died to give me life. I'm not waiting to die. I know there'll come a day when, unless the Lord returns, we'll all die, but I'm not longing for it. Because I realize the way to honor him who died that I might have life is to live the life he died I might have. And he didn't die so I could have a mediocre life. He didn't die so I could have an average life. He laid his life down so that I could, through him, receive all of the blessings of Abraham. And now when I look in the mirror, I see someone of destiny. Sometimes i got to stop and look twice. Why? Because I, I know what he's done. See, now I know there will come a day before I lay down this flesh. I will have made a difference on this planet. I know that I know that I know I will have made a difference on this planet before I lay down this body because he destined me for greatness. And all of us need to know this. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter how long we've been on this journey. God can do more in one day of favor than you've ever been able to do in a lifetime of labor. So don't ever say, well, you know, that's a great message, but it's too late for me. Is this okay this morning? This means that God has arranged for you to live a large life. A big, grand, beautiful life. One time many years ago when I was preaching, this just popped up and I've loved it ever since. When God paints the portrait of your life, he does not use pale pastels. When God paints the portrait of your life, he uses neon colors. Because he wants everyone who looks at you to know that's mine. That's my handiwork right there. So don't try to hide in pale pastels. Let God make you bright. Now notice the sequence. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'm only on page two. I got to hurry up. We all know that a part of Abraham's blessing had to do with prosperity. But people disagree on what it means to prosper. But prosperity really isn't that hard to understand. I want you to imagine in the ancient days, Paul, let's say he was going from Jerusalem to Ephesus. Now, today, that would take you about four hours by plane, about 22 by car. I know, I googled it, so it's got to be right. 
But in Paul's day, that could be a six-month six journey. Now, back in the ancient days, and this has to do with prosperity, before you started on a trip, you had to plan everything you might need so you could get to the place you were going. There were no ATMs. There were no places you could stop and get refilled. So what you left with is what you traveled with. I'm talking about prosperity. Now, when you arrived, Cleve, to where you were going, you might hear, did you have a prosperous journey? Because what they were asking is, did you have everything you needed to make it from point A to point B? And if you had enough to get from point A to point B and everything went as expected, that's prosperity. Okay? So prosperity, listen to me, prosperity isn't about a dollar amount. Prosperity is do you have enough, what you need, everything you need, spiritual, financial, physical, relational, mental, to get from where you are to where God's called you to be. And if you arrive there as expected, that's prosperity. But now God ain't satisfied with just you getting there, and this is where greatness comes into play. God wants you to have so much that when you're traveling from point A to point B and you run into somebody who ran out along the way. Yes. Unexpected thing. How many of you remember this? Is this okay this morning? How many of you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? How many of you can tell me his name? Because God didn't make him famous. But God sure did make him great because he's been preached about for the last 2,000 years. In fact, to this day, there is what they call a good Samaritan law. But case in point, God wants you to be so blessed, so great, to have so much prosperity that you ain't even worried about. Do you have enough? It's that you got more than enough. So when you encounter somebody else who ran out of whatever it is they ran out of, you can give of them your surplus. That's great. That's greatness right there when you're able to connect with the weary, somebody who ran out of gas, somebody who ran out of anointing, somebody who ran out of enthusiasm, somebody who ran out of faith. Then yeah. you're able to say, you know what, I got so much, let me give some of mine to you so that together we can make it to the destination. That's what God wants for you. That's greatness personified. That's greatness that when I encounter somebody who's down and out, I'm able to help them get up. And whether it's that they need the anointing or they need money. It's not about this or that. It's all the above. Because there are sometimes it's not money they need. They need love. They need, in, they need support. They just need an attaboy. Some people only need a smile. Everyone say, I am destined to do great things. So that means God wants you to be so blessed and he wants you to understand he has he is spoken this over you so that when you're traveling, you can help out your fellow travelers. And they don't need a sermon about how they ran out of gas. <laughs> Y'all ever, what do you shouldn't have run out of gas? Duh, I know I shouldn't have run out of gas, but I did. I don't need a lecture. I need gas. You got a gas can or not? Come on now. So God said, I'll bless you. I'm going to bless you over and above, and I'm going to make you great so you'll be a blessing. 
you have more than enough. God desires that you and I are great in life. This means, listen to this, considerably above the normal or average. That we control life instead of life controlling us. This goes right back to the book of Genesis. When God made man, he didn't make man to be subordinate to his environment. Doesn't matter what translation you read it out of. In some translations it said master life, and others it says take dominion, and others it says reign. But it's all communicating the same thing. God created man to be in control of his environment. To have the spiritual authority. See, it wasn't, at least in my opinion, it was not inevitable that Adam gave in to the devil. I don't think it was inevitable. Because if it was inevitable, then he wasn't born with choice. I think Adam could have exercised his priestly authority, even though Eve did it, because the Bible makes it very clear it wasn't Eve's fault, it was Adam's fault. I think Adam could have taken spiritual authority and said, nah, nah, nah. You're following me. Because God created man to be in control. He created man to have dominion. Then you see, listen, this... If the, if the devil runs amok in our lives and the devil's doing everything he wants to do, you're not a victim. You're a fool. Because you're choosing to allow it. Now, ye might have taken advantage of your ignorance, but if you're at RLC, you ain't ignorant. Because I know what I'm preaching to you. I know I'm telling you how to take control of your life. I'm giving you the ammo you need to put two in his chest and one in his head. Come on now. So that when the devil knocks on your door, he doesn't encounter who he encountered last week or last year or last month. You know some things you didn't know. So now when the devil comes and you have a mess up or something goes south and he says, well, you know what? This is the best God can do for you. You're destined to be average then you can pull up from the resources of your soul and say, oh, no, 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 I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. I'm destined for greatness. So it doesn't matter if it takes two years, 2.5 years, or 25 years. I know that everything God has said will come to pass in my life. There will be not be one vision, not one dream, not one word left unfulfilled. And devil, before I lay down this body, I will have done so many great things. They'll line up in the streets to cry over that hearse. But I will not die unknown, unloved, and have made, made no difference. And it doesn't matter if anyone on this planet celebrates you. If you live up to everything God told you to do, when you do stand before Him, party all the time, all the time. Hmm? You'll hear cooling the gang in the background. Because they all made it. They might still be here. I don't know. Hmm. Seek greatness and give no thought to fame. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 30. Is this helping you this morning? 2 Samuel, I don't know what I told you. 2 Samuel 22 is what I meant to say, yeah. Listen to this. For by you, I can run upon a troop. 
By my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He's a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who's a rock besides our God? God is my strong fortress. He sets the blameless in his way. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me on the high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Listen to this in verse 36. You have also given me the shield of your salvation and your help makes me great. David was a great leader, a great warrior, and a great psalmist, and he declared, your help makes me great. God wants to help you and I in the same way that he helped David. His help will make you great. But listen to this. If we don't believe it, we won't pursue it. We won't expect it. We won't have faith for it. And if you don't have faith for it, how many of you know this, that through traditional thinking, we can make the Word of God of no effect. And the Word of God will profit us nothing if we don't mix faith with it. So when we hear what God has said over us, we've got to mix our faith with it. Otherwise, it profits us nothing. Now, if I disbelieve what the word says that doesn't make the word of god powerless in your life just only in my life <laughs> so we can read and see this is the reason why some people walk with god unto places of greatness and others don't because see if i believe what god has said over me and you don't the, now the opposite is true you follow me just like if you believe and I don't that doesn't make the word of God powerless in your life it just renders me powerless but if I believe and you don't then don't get mad when God promotes me and his help makes me great because I chose to believe it's not me achieving the greatness in and of myself it's his help and this goes back to what I said at the very beginning of if the devil can make you inferior, if he can make you feel so lowly and so bad about yourself that you don't even dare believe that God could ever do anything significant with your life, then you're not mixing faith with what God has said. God wants you to throw off the robe of poverty and of helplessness and of sin and of sorrow and quit defining yourself by all of those other i can't tell you how important this is that people who love god for decades define themselves by the life they had without god one of the most courageous things you and i can do is redefine ourselves that i am it's not arrogance, it's confidence. It's not pride because I didn't do it. Because I do know the Bible says that of myself, I can do nothing. But if I'm not by myself, if I have a helper, then my promotion doesn't come by myself. My promotion is of him. 
and he increases me and I grow into my understanding of that I'm doing great things because I want my life to shout to the whole world Jehovah is a great God there's no God like him Christ is his only son and he does great things but if my life is average and I'm an epistle known and read of all men what is my life saying about my God? See, this is, is this, is this, this is the reason why you and I've got to live the life He's ordained for us, because it ain't about us. We are a reflection of Him. This is the true magnificence of Christ. He said, if you've seen me. In fact, one writer said it this way, the greatest compliment you could give the God the Father is to say He was like Jesus. Can you imagine that? The greatest compliment you can give El Shaddai is to say he's like the Christ. And the Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Because I'm created in his image, in his likeness. Well, you and I have been recreated in Christ. In whose image? Come on now. Whose image do you bear? It ain't your daddy's. See, this is the reason why race does not define you. Gender does not define you. Background does not define you. It doesn't matter if every male in your family died at 52. If you're in Christ, you can live a long life because he said, with a long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. So we need to quit defining ourselves by what went on before us. This is the reason why it needs to become frontal lobe stuff. If they say, does cancer run in your family? Say, no, but the anointing does. Yeah, I come from a long line of overachievers. I come, from an, I come from a long line of nation builders, of overcomers, of miracle workers. I come from a line of people who were in the lion's den and didn't get eaten, went into a furnace and didn't burn, walked on water. I come from a long line of, you want to talk about my family? Let's talk about my family. You want to talk about my elder brother? He ain't, he still ain't dead. And my daddy ain't never going to die. You want to talk about a long life, bro? But see, that doesn't even enter into our mind when they say, well, what runs in your family? Arthritis, diabetes, cancer. Why? How are you? Pastor, you got to be realistic. No, you got to be biblical so you can create a new reality. Because I've said this to you before, isn't the ultimate objective of faith to make his truth my reality that's the ultimate of it it doesn't take any faith to tell you how early every male in my family died and you're certainly not going to find my genealogy by going to dot com if you want to know your genealogy you got to go to the bible you got to open up the book and you're going to find your family line in there. And so when you read the story of Moses and of David and Elisha and Elijah, you read about Daniel and you read about all these overcomers, you're going to say, that's my family. And if none of those excite you, let's go look at my elder brother. Dude, he was something to behold. Now when you, when, you, when you meditate on that and you close your eyes, you're going to see yourself transfigured. Why? Because transfiguration is in your family line. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh. 
Hmm. Should I continue? I got four more minutes and four more pages. Let's see who wins, me or the clock. Mm. But if we don't believe this, listen to this, we will settle. And I want to say this again because this is so powerful. That if you think little of yourself, I'm telling you, it's because you don't think very highly of your God. But as you begin to meditate on who your father is, you live in the reflection of his glory and of his strength. So the greater God is in your life, the more capable you become of achieving everything he has said you would do. You can't separate these two things. This cuts through all of the religious sea wrap. For those of you with us for the first time, what is sea wrap? Spell it out. We just don't talk that way in church. C-R-A-P. And that's all religion can offer you. Okay, crap. I could tell some of you just weren't getting it. You're thinking of saran wrap and cling wrap. Bubble wrap. Religion feeds you crap. And then your life is full of... Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you got to throw off all that religion and redefine yourself according to his word so you can live out the life he dreamed for you. And that's a good life. That's a great life. It's a grand life. May never be a famous life. But we're not seeking fame. We're seeking greatness. Listen to this. If he is great and I'm in him and he's in me, then I can't be average. I just can't. I, is this, I'm going to say it again. If he's great, if he's the great God Jehovah, and he's in me, and I'm in him, and he's great, then I can't be average. I find mediocrity and average intolerable. I've got to live above the fray. If flu sweeps through and I get sick, that's intolerable because that's average. That's what happens to everybody, and I ain't like everybody. I'm in him. So I resist it. I press against it. I get into the word, and I find out this is not my destiny. I'm not destined to die a miserable death. I'm not destined to die an early death. I'm not destined to wither away. I'm not destined for my body to decay before my time. I don't know about you, but as for me, I've made a decision. This body ain't going to decay until I don't need it no more. But as long as I need it, it's going to respond the way I need it. Well, pastor, you know, it's just normal. Well, I'm tired of normal. I want to be weird. 
How many of you know what it means to be weird? It means to be marked by the supernatural. So if, they, if somebody calls you weird, say thank you. I've been waiting for you to tell me that my whole life. You weirdo, thank you so much. Come on now, I'll hurry up. Mm. If I'm recreated in his image and in his likeness, the question then becomes this, is he great or is he mediocre? Is he great or is he mediocre? If he's great and I'm in him, then I'm great. All I need to do is let him flow through me. That's all I need to do. Let your light so shine that they see your good works. Let your light so shine that they see your good works. And do what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Because you're doing things so above and beyond the norm that when they're made aware of the great deeds you're doing, because remember, great people do great things. And another thing, can I tell you this? About, is this okay? Great people make everyone around them feel great. If you feel it's your job to make everyone else feel inferior, you know what you are? Inferior. And you're trying to make yourself feel better by putting everyone else around you down. But truly great people make everyone around them feel great. And then they do great things for them, which reinforce the sense that you can be great too. And we, re, we rephrase the old Dr. Pepper song. Y'all don't even remember that, do you? I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. Don't you want to be a pepper too? We go around saying, he's made me great. He's made you great. And then we can find those who are outside the covenant and say, don't you want to be great too? Mm. Is he magnificent or is he average? Listen to this. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Listen to this. The great have always encountered violent opposition from the mediocre. So when you make up your mind to be great because he has destined you for greatness, then you better prepare for battle. Because when you make up your mind, I'm going to do great things, there's going to be people around you who will rise up and feel it's their God-given task to remind you that you ain't nothing but a grasshopper. And sometimes they'll oppose you violently, but understand, when they oppose you just because you have an ambition to do more, Right? You have an ambition to take your family out of this neighborhood and put them in that neighborhood, and somehow that makes you a traitor? Wrong? Greedy? Just understand that when they rise up to oppose your ambitions, just on the spirit of ambition, to, to, to magnify his name and all the earth by doing great things for your fellow travelers, all that does is define them as mediocre. Because when they tell you what you, they, you can't do, what they're really saying is, I've never been able to do it, so why should you be able to? 
I've never got out of this neighborhood, so why should you be able to get out of this neighborhood? I've never had a car that actually ran well, so why should you have a car that runs well? I've never owned two cars, so why should you have three? <laughs> Don't hang with them. Hmm. But just because we are opposed, I'm never going to finish this. But Michigan beat Ohio State yesterday, so all things are possible. I had to throw it in. Now it's out on the Internet. The whole world will know. For those of you who don't know, we've only waited 10 years. Shh. But just because we are opposed doesn't mean we give in. We never surrender great dreams to small people. Never. How did God make Abraham great? Listen to this. He gave him great wealth, great respect, and great power. To become great, you must believe that you can. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, And Jesus said to him, What do you mean if? If you're able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. Daniel 11, verse 32. And such as violate the covenant, he shall pervert and seduce with flatteries. But the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and do exploits for God. The living, the, the living Bible says the people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. The key to greatness is knowing God and taking action. If you would, listen to this, if you would attain greatness, think no little thoughts. Oral Roberts had on his desk a plaque that read, make no little plans here. See, when you understand and you believe with all of your heart that God has destined you for greatness, you won't dream small dreams anymore. You can't. I knew one preacher who used to say he would close his eyes and he'd go, I can't even think poor no more. And see, that's the way it ought to be with us. When, when this becomes our reality, we can try. And can't even think sick no more. We can try. No, nope, can't think famine no more. Because even in a time of famine, everything I do reaps a hundredfold return. And when I give, it always comes back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So I can't even imagine famine. I can't imagine lack. I can't imagine having not enough. My, my, my battle is having too much. It's, it's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's running over. And, and I just got to find. And then, then it becomes an endless cycle of giving because I got so much. I got to find someone to give it to. Because you can't just keep build, building bigger barns, right? Eventually, you just got to become a, di a distribution house, and you're giving it out. But then that starts the cycle. The more you give out, the more you get back. So the more you got to give. And, it, and it's not just material. It's the same with prayer. Yes. The first time you pray for someone and you see them get an answer, it's a, it, prayer's got an addictive quality. I'll, uh, the first time I ever laid my hands on someone and actually saw them recover, I stepped back and looked at my hands. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and my next thought was, next? <laughs> because, see, that inferiority was just gone. 
I risked it. God did it. And I wanted to see him do it again. And that's the way. See, victory becomes a way of life. Defeat is always temporary because victory is the norm. Hmm. Let me close with this. I'm skipping some things, but you can download the outline and get it all yourself. But I do have to read this story because this will just speak to some people. Your opportunity's not passed you by, and it's never too late. And this is a true story. A young lady from Europe ran away from home and traveled across the ocean to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just to talk to Daisy and Teal Osborne. From childhood, her parents had told her she was stupid that she could not learn and that she was unattractive and she would never get a job or a good husband. The more her parents said these things, the more they were engraved in her subconscious and the more she acted out the part. This lady had always lived at home where she was dominated by negative, destructive atmospheres. She became so insecure and timid and withdrawn that she would, this isn't, she would shake and never look anyone in the eyes. She was terrified of people. Her father and mother had succeeded in making a slave of their own daughter simply by planting negative, destructive seeds in her mind. She was afraid to go out on the street alone. The only work she ever did was scrubbing floors. She lived as if she had been as stupid as her parents told her she was. Dr. Osborne wrote that while he was out for his daily jog, I saw on the trail a battered, beaten penny. It was so scarred by the hundreds of vehicles that had rolled over it, you could, scare, you could hardly identify it. I picked it up, and as I held it in my hand, the Lord whispered to me, That coin is worth as much as a beautiful, brand-new, shining penny. Its value is the same. It's like that dear lady from Europe. Go tell her what I have said to you. Though she is scarred and battered by her parents and acquaintances, Tell her she's as valuable as the most beautiful lady in Europe. I took that coin and placed it in her hands. And while she looked at it, I gave her God's message. Then while she held it, she repeated after me. My life is like this battered coin, but I'm as valuable as the most perfect and beautiful person in Europe. She promised to keep that coin with her Bible. She purposed that every time anyone would say anything derogatory to her, she would hold that battered coin and say, My life is like this battered coin, but I'm as valuable as the most perfect and beautiful person in Europe. I don't know what you've been through. Some of your scars are external, but the real ones are internal. But you're as valuable, listen to this, you are as valuable as the most perfect and beautiful person in the world. Your value is not diminished because of your scars. I want to say that again. Your value is not diminished because you carry scars. You are as valuable as the most perfect and beautiful person in the world. As we close today, stand on your feet. I want us to make this confession together. And my prayer is that when you leave here, you will go out into the world with such courage. You'll face old foes with brand new courage.
brand new strength. And it doesn't matter how many times they've defeated you. It doesn't matter how many times you knocked on the door to find it closed, barred, locked. Victory is your way of life. And if you won sometimes, get ready to win all the time. Hallelujah, Father. Lift your hands and let's say this together. I am created in God's likeness. I am somebody important in God's eyes. He believes in me. He loves me. And he needs me. I am part of his plan. God loves me as much as he loves anyone else. You, my friend, are destined for greatness. Now let me pray this over you and then you'll be dismissed. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. May every word that was spoken today be amplified by your spirit. May your people not easily forget who they are. But I pray, Father, that you would remind them moment by moment. So, Father, that they would rise up as a courageous, bold people. To be a conqueror in life not a victim. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that every word you have spoken over them, let it come to pass. Let them see themselves in you. Father, I pray that that old tarnished, inferior, damaged portrait would be thrown out. And in its place, Father, let the portrait be hung that you have painted of them. Let them see themselves in a brand new way. Father, let the colors be no longer torn and faded. But, Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that that image would be bright, it would be clear, its colors vivid, its canvas untorn, Father, and that they would know that in you they truly can do all things. And every dream you plant within them, Father, I pray that they achieve it. And may your people be overachievers and overcomers from this day forth in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise.